Leadership Redefined. Welcome, everyone, to Leadership Redefined, Season 4 podcast. Uh, we're thrilled to have a very special guest here. I'll turn it over to you, Anthony, to introduce our guest. A great pleasure to introduce uh, Dr. Rory Manning, um, currently the superintendent of Harbor Field School District on Long Island, but someone I, I call both a, a colleague and a friend. Um, we both work together at St. John's. In addition to his, his role as a superintendent, he's done uh, many years with us at St. John's University as an adjunct professor and has great skills in not only leadership, but in qualitative analysis and, and uh, has done his doctorate at St. John's and probably one of the best dissertations that were written in our, in our university. So um, great pleasure to, to have him here. Um, and I also know that, that, that Rory is a change agent and he's someone who focuses uh, a lot of his energies, whatever he's done, high school principal, assistant superintendent, and now superintendent on making uh, schools better places for, for children. So um, why don't you talk a little bit about, I know you're here to talk about uh, collective mindset, which you very uh, graciously have written the afterward to our book, which comes out on May 11th. But there's so much that you're doing now and, and so much that we have with the aftermath of COVID. Um, tell us what you're doing to move ahead and move your district ahead. Great, thank you. First of all, I just wanna thank both of you for having me here. Obviously we've known each other a long time, but I've been uh, so impressed uh, with the work that you've done with Leadership Redefined um, because you know you, you provide a valuable service to our, to our learning community and it's, it's just so appreciated. I know it takes a lot of work on, and congratulations on all your success. And also congratulations on your book. You know, when, uh, when, when you reached out to me about the opportunity, I was so, uh, you know, honored to be considered for that. And then when I read the book, I was just so impressed. Uh, you two really, and, and along with Rich, really put together such a valuable tool for, for, our, uh, for our profession and, and leadership. So really just so impressive. And uh, I'm really hopeful that the book takes off because I think it's going to be just an invaluable resource for anybody, uh, you know, those who want to read it cover to cover and those that want to pick it up as a reference for everyday um, inspiration. Uh, it really is such a valuable tool. So Thanks. it's a little plug. Thank little you. plug for your book. Yeah, and, you and, and you'll see more of Rory. We're going to do some, some collaborative <laughs> stuff with him moving forward for sure. So. <laughs> You know, and so with, with regard to my, my work, when, um, when I picked up your book and I was, I was reading through it, you know, it just speaks to what we as leaders try to do, and that's inspire change and, and transform our organizations. As you know, any organization that's not moving forward is, is really not moving and moving backwards. So we, my transition to the superintendency, I'm now in my 26th year in education, which is really hard to say because I can't imagine it's gone so fast, but you know, we've been through a lot of change in education, and I think nothing has driven that more so than the pandemic over the last two years. It's been really challenging on an emotional level, but also an academic and professional level to, you know, to, to navigate and, and work with your organization to keep people moving forward and, and driving. There were days during that, uh, during the pandemic, where we were in pure survival mode. You know, you were trying to just get through the day, keep your schools open for students because you knew students needed to be in school. Um, and you were trying to provide the resources to your staff to provide what they needed for their students. 
and at the same time provide a safe environment for everybody. So it was really, you know, I don't want to dwell too much on that, but it was it was certainly challenging. And I think the challenge for, for leadership was how you move your organization past that survival mode, that primal survival mode of just trying to get through the end of the day or trying to get through the end of the week or the end of the month. Um, and so in my transition, I transitioned to the superintendency almost a year ago. And my conversations with my board at the time were about that, about what's, what's the future for Harborfields. And we engaged in a long conversation around what do the next five years look like? And what are the opportunities within the pandemic that we could take advantage of? Some of the things that we were forced to do that we know may never be the same again, how can we take advantage of that and, and move our organization forward? And it was a great conversation. Ultimately, we came to that, you know, we're not, going to survive, we're not going to solve this in the room. So what we decided to do is engage in a five-year strategic plan. And we developed uh, a methodology over the course of the, this current school year to have a very inclusive process, you know, surveying the community, putting focus groups together, bringing in professionals from all aspects of our organization, and really diving deep into what the future of our district looks like and what direction we want to move in. And uh, we took a lot of the learning from the pandemic and what we were challenged to do and challenged to overcome and drove that into what the next five years are going to look like in our district. And it was a really tough time because the pandemic didn't go away. As you know, we, we faced incredible challenges. I had, I had more cases in one two-week span in January than I had the entire year previous to that. So it was extremely challenging, but we kept that work alive and the focus of our attention. And uh, ultimately, you know, we've unveiled the goals for the plan and we're unveiling the, the upcoming plan this coming June, uh, but that's going to drive our work for the next five years. And what I love about it was the inclusivity. It wasn't a Rory plan. It wasn't a board plan. It was a community and staff and students. Students were involved in the process and it was, it was a very inclusive process. And, you know, and I, just tying that into your book, you know, when you talk about the collective mindset, um, I mean, again, it just speaks to the spirit of what you spoke about in your book. And I, what I know that every leader wants, but what I love about your book is it provides a roadmap uh, for, for users to, to take and work with their teams and develop strategies to develop that collective mindset within their organization. So, you know, that, that speaks to what we were trying to accomplish. And, you know, I've said this publicly in my talk with our, with our staff and our community. It's really, for me, more about the journey than the end. This is a process that we're in together. We're, we're rowing the ship in the same direction. Uh, we know what our vision is. We have a very simple statement, each child, each day, one Harborfields family. And, you know, that drives our work going forward. And, I'm really excited about it. I'm energized about it. You know, when you start thinking about, as any, any leader does, when you start thinking about all the different things that are going on in your organization, you can start to sweat from anxiety about yeah. all the work that needs to be done. But when you get that wrapped up in a vision and you have the, the work of the staff who are excited about it behind you, I mean, that's, you know, it's just an unstoppable, unstoppable force. So that's what I'm really excited about. Uh, in, in my work and we've been engaged in that. And um, so, so Roy, you mentioned 
it's about the journey, not the destination piece. And what we found working with a lot of districts is uh, uh, w- what intrigues us a lot, at least me, is that it, it's sort of what unfolds just by that reflective process, just by that uh, sort of systematic approach of you know, getting unified, having that collective mindset, get yeah, f- having that five-year plan, which is amazing and fabulous that you did that too. Not enough uh, folks do that because that requires a lot, right? To get there. Like what, talk about that, that process and what, it, what it did for you, the stakeholders um, in general, because for us, there, there was value. I, I'm wondering the same for you. You mentioned there was a little bit, but I'd love to hear you. Expand on that. I mean, one thing, you know, in leading organizations is sometimes there's a lot of assumptions that are made assumptions about what we do and what, what the outcomes are. And when you ask kids, tough questions. They're going to be very, very honest with you. Uh, so and that's what we did. We surveyed our students uh, from grades five to 12. Um, and we got a tremendous response. I mean, we're a very small community, but we had over close to 4,000 responses. Uh, and it was, when, you, when we read through that, we developed our action planning teams uh, and our core teams that read through those surveys. And we spent a lot of time doing that because it broke down a lot of the assumptions that we had about our, our work and the purpose of our work and what um, our students needed and how we can meet their needs. And when, when we started with that and we got broken down and we said, okay, you know, what, what did we assume before and what do we have, what does the data show before us right now? We use that as a starting point to build up. That for me was the really powerful part of it because it wasn't, again, just myself in a room or with my board or with my leadership team. There were students in the room, parents in the room, all educational providers, staff, uh, non-instructional, instructional, everybody was involved in the process. And it really, we came to consensus about where some of our assumptions were faulty before and how we could build to meet the needs of our students for the future. And that that for me was the single most powerful thing. And then everything since then has been just building on that and building on that. And we've come out with some really, uh, you know, really positive things for the future that I'm, I'm truly excited about. And that's not an easy thing to do. Anthony, I'll, I'll let you talk as well. Uh, there's vulnerability in that, right? You have to, like everybody sort of has to expose themselves and, and be vulnerable and say, and sort of put your ego at the door and not like let that get in the way. Uh, and I just want to reiterate to the audience, too, uh, that you surveyed a student from 5 to 12, and I loved you knew what the st- students now needed, and you your goal is to address those needs. And just, you know, if we all just took that statement there, right, uh, with the education, uh, the world would be a better place. But I loved that aspect of, of uh, your approach. So really kudos to you. Anthony, go ahead. Yeah, just just as I'm, as I'm listening to you speak, and <clears throat> As far as leadership is concerned and, and, you know, your leadership, you need to understand or know or at least recognize where the challenges are going to lie. Um, because what you're talking about, which is a great thing, is, is this inclusivity of all the different groups and stakeholders. And we also know that more often than not, there's always conflict among those stakeholders. And, and when you think about that, um, what kind of skills you know, or approach do you do you take or, or will take 
to try to mitigate some of those to make this this work yeah i think the um when it, when it, what's worked for me so far in the process and obviously we have a lot more work to do you know there's there's one thing to develop the plan but then the other part of it really is once once it begins and we have our action plans in place and we set forth to do the work we are, we are going to have to deal with that right we're going to have to deal with shifting agendas yep. um, and all the political and social and academic climates that we're in we're going to have to really you know keep on top of that that's not just something you put down on paper and you set in place and say okay i'm done you know and, and you move forward right this is a a process so i think that our challenge is going to be in maintaining that inclusivity in the processes going forward and to not lose sight of that it can no longer be the you know the administrative leadership in a room dictating downward what needs to happen it really needs to be an inclusive process that rises up and i think that when you get people in the room and they buy into your shared vision for the future that part of it once you get past that that you know set, seems to anyway in my experience set the personal agenda is people are able to set those aside and understand they're here collectively for the future of our organization, the future of our students. Um, it's just a powerful, powerful process. It's hard, it's difficult, it's challenging, but it's worth the effort in, in my experience um, to bring folks together, have those really hard conversations and get past some of the assumptions that people make. You know, when, Al, you were talking about setting aside your ego. You can imagine as a as a leader going into that process, one of the fears I had was I didn't have control, right? right? And I knew that. I knew that very well going in, but it's still a fear. It still created anxiety within because I don't know what the goals are going to be ultimately of, of this plan. I don't know ultimately what my action planning teams are going to come up with. And I have to navigate that process. But having gone through it, I can say, it was worth all that anxiety because my team, uh, I should say, you know, our teams, they came up with really, really, they came up with goals that are going to make a difference in the lives of kids. And that's ultimately all you can ask for. And, uh, you know, we understand as leaders, the parameters that we have to deal with, we have to operate within certain budgets, we have to operate within certain political climates and social and academic needs. So we understand that, um, but it shouldn't stop us from having that vision of where we want to be in five years, 10 years, and creating that roadmap of how we're going to get there and collectively working together uh, on that process. So, and Roy, that inclusivity, uh, that uh, sort of letting them uh, decide these goals, that's, you know, people always wonder like, how do I get buy in from the community? How do I get buy in from my board? How do I get buy in from my teachers? Well, inclusivity is a big step towards that, right? It is huge. It is huge. And, you know, as we all know, people have very short memories too. So part of the process going forward is going to be constantly reminding them of that inclusivity and then also continuing to provide opportunities for people to have a voice in the process. Because we know that I can set a plan for five years, but realistically, we're going to operate probably in 18-month increments um, of action planning and not, you know, we're not setting out a five-year plan and, and washing our hands of it. We're going to operate in 18-month increments, set feedback loops, and provide opportunities for us to adjust as we go forward. Um, but that process needs to be inclusive to your point. Yeah, and, and I love what you just said too, Roy, which is not often considered. A lot of times, even if it's an inclusive process, um, that's it. Okay, it's done, this is our plan moving forward. But I love that you said 
make sure that anybody can still be included as we move through this in this next five years because otherwise you have that disconnect right you don't want uh, you don't want people to not think they have a say not think that they can be part of of something greater so that's all awesome anthony yeah i mean as 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 I was listening to you as as leaders educational leaders we have to move away from risk aversion you know we 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 don't like risk um at least traditionally and historically but what you're doing yes i mean it is risk it's always a risk but as you're also speaking it's necessary risk if we're going to to move forward and improve teaching and learning and education and lives of children we need to have a way to be not only inclusive and when I was in TC, it was called enlarging the table, but methods and means to do that in a constructive way. Um, and that's hard. That's hard, hard work. Yep. Um, so I, I truly commend you for what you're doing there. Thank you. Yeah, and I, and, you know, I'm blessed with a great team and we, we understand the difficulty of, of the work and we understand that we can't, you can't turn away from it. You can't really turn away from it for, for a second. It needs to be a part of every we do whether it's part of the you know the, the budget process that we're in right now mm -hmm. uh to the development of our you know technology plans our professional development plans curriculum plans whatever those might be like it it needs to constantly be woven into all aspects of our operation uh, and that's the way that you continue to have that buy-in while also developing you know the feedback and inclusivity going forward so um it's been a it's been a really difficult um challenge for us, but one we're really excited about. So Roy, I'd love to just finish off with, um, we, uh, Anthony and I know you a long time. And if I, if I were to peg why you, you can make this possible, it's a lot to do with your personality, a lot to do with your leadership style, uh, mm -hmm. especially the way you, you truly listen uh, to people um, and then actively listen. Because a lot of people listen and and they're ready to say the next thing, right? Uh, but you are, you actually really listen to folks and process it in a very uh, objective, unique, uh, cordial way, right? That's that's my take of, of Roy. But can you advise um, leaders that want to go through this process? What do you have to do sitting in the superintendent position or an assistant sup or head of a department, whatever the initiative is? What do you what would you recommend folks do? to sort of get these things moving in a positive flow or a positive way. Yeah. I think, you know, um, trust is big in any organization and uh, you have the opportunity as a leader to build trust and, but you have to be mindful that every action that you make contributes to the growth or, you know, subtraction of that trust. And so, you know, in this process, I was brutally honest with my team about the concerns that I had and I, I just was, I just shared them out there and I, you know, you call it vulnerable or, or whatever. I just call it honesty that, you know, I, I expressed my concern about that. I was very willing to turn over the control. I just wanted to be clear about what those concerns would be so that it didn't come up later as a surprise to people. You know, these are things that we have to be concerned about. I can't go into a five-year strategic plan promising items that might be tenfold increase in my budget. I just, we just, you know, that's not realistic. We have to be realistic and, and honest with each other about what this, what this looks like. And I can, I know we can achieve things without that concern for the budget, but I just needed to put those things out there. So that's just one example. Um, and, you know, we, we went through the process and another thing that I did uh, is I did hire an outside facilitator 
to facilitate this process because again, I didn't want it to be the Rory plan. I didn't want it to be, you know, misconstrued. So we hired an outside facilitator who was excellent. Um, and she really navigated uh, our work through the process because do, by doing that, it also allowed me time to focus on the day-to-day operation, which you can't let go, as they say. And I talked about it in my, my afterward, you have still have to make your buses run, your, your trains run on time, right? The, the buses have to be there, schedules, the, you know, food service, everything has to work. And, um, you know, you need to, you need to provide that also. So that outside facilitator was integral to, to making this work happen. Uh, but it was a very small investment for a, a very large outcome. And uh, we're, you know, we're excited about it. And that's, that, that holds true with what we do as well. Like we find that uh, districts do need sort of that, not to where the end all be all or anyone is coming from the outside, but it does offer that objectivity, right? It offers uh, a different kind of perspective, a different kind of sta- stability that sometimes is hard in, you know, it's a big family, right? Sometimes it's hard to navigate without that one person saying, all right, this is what's really going on, right? I'm objective and this is what's really going on kind of thing. So all right, I don't want to take, keep you too long. I'm appreciative of you uh, coming. I'll give, uh, I'll, I'll just say a quick thing. Anthony, you uh, uh, mentioned your closing thoughts and then Roy will give you the last word. I want to thank you, Roy, for being on. It's always uh, so enlightening. And uh, I hope that viewers understand the caliber of you as a person and as a leader and to just heed your thoughts and learn from you. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully have you on again too. Um, but I'm appreciative. Thank you for being on Anthony. I just want to commend you obviously again for the work you do. Um, and I'm not surprised in any way, shape or form, uh, how you have approached the superintendency as you have approached every job that you've held. You know, I'm glad at the end you said that you have to deal with the administrivia that, that we're responsible for. And one of the biggest challenges I think administrators and educational leaders face is how do I find the time? as you just said, to focus on moving the, the institution forward on the change process, on, on dealing with both conflict and inclusivity. Uh, and I think uh, it's something that our profession needs to think more and more about because we're becoming overloaded with, with responsibilities and obligations, many of which are necessary, some of which are, are superf- superfluous. So um, I think it was a great comment at the end. I, I commend you on your work, and I certainly... Um, look forward to hearing more about your successes in your school district. So thank you. Best of luck. Thank you. And Roy, you know, yeah. I'll end with, uh, you know, just kind of what I wrote about in my afterward for your book, because I was so moved by your book and it struck me at the time because we were in the height of the pandemic and dealing with that. And I remember when, you know, I, and I spoke about this in my afterward when I was advised early on in my career is, you know, change is great, but make sure your trains are running on time, meaning making mm-hmm. sure that everything that structurally is in place is needed. And that that's true. But what the pandemic did for us is it really upended what, what the trains are. We, you know, we yes. shifted to remote. We did all the, we had all these things that we never thought we would be forced to do and provide. And it really had us question what it is that, we did, we're doing and how we're doing it and the service that we're providing to our kids. And, you know, when you look at, look at that, and then, you know, as a leader, you plan for the next five years or whatever you may be planning for, you would be kind of foolish to not question 
Anthony, to your point, why we're doing some of the things that we're doing. Uh, and those things are taking up so much of our time. Mm-hmm. And are they efficient uses of our time, our, our leadership? When I say our time, I mean, I'm speaking of all leaders. Right. Um, are they efficient uses of our time? And, and how best can we focus our energies on the things that truly matter and make a difference to the lives of our kids? We just welcomed the class of 2035 you know, wow. in the wow. gardeners uh, for next year. And, you know, I couldn't help but talk to the parents about what life is going to look like in 2035. And yeah. if, we could, if we could predict that, we'd be far richer than we are. But, you know, we, we can do the best we can. And what are we going to do on a daily basis today that's going to make a difference in those, the lives of those children in 2035? So that's the challenges before us. And, I'm, you know, I thank you for what you're doing and providing to our community and pushing us forward. Uh, it's really, it's exceptional. I'm just honored to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much, you. Roy. Well said, well said. Thank you.